welcome to Daystar. My name's Alan, and we're so glad you've come to worship with us this morning. I want to take a moment and welcome all of our campuses and those of you that have joined us online. Thanks for being with us today. And today we're going to start a new series called Hearing God. But before we jump into the message, I want to take a moment and just share with you a story from last Sunday. You know, last week we took up a special offering to help cover the expense of our new campus, which we'll be launching September the 8th. Man, it'll be here before you know it. And we'll have our third campus. It's so exciting, a really exciting time in the life of our church. But last week we took a special offering, and I got a note from a lady uh, this past week about that, just sharing a, a brief testimony I thought I'd share with you. This lady has been a member of our church for years, and uh, she's a widow and the, a single mom of two young children, and she's been actually tithing on her social security checks, which is an incredible sacrifice. I'm just amazed at her faith. And, and last week, the last month, they had a bunch of unexpected expenses, and of course, last Sunday was the last Sunday of the month. The month was winding down and she was out of money. Her mortgage was due and we were taking a special offering and literally she had $6 left for the month, $6. And out of her $6, she decided to give two of it to the special offering. She kept four to buy a gallon of milk for her kids. And really that was all she had for the month and her mortgage was due the next day. Man, that took a, a tremendous amount of faith. What a sacrifice. And, and then Monday, she went to the mailbox to, just to get her mail, and there was actually a check in the mail from a former employer who paid her for the month of July, even though she didn't work in July, paid her an extra check. It was enough to cover her mortgage and to catch her up. Man, isn't God good? Come on, let's give God praise. Isn't that amazing? Just an incredible, incredible story. And, and uh, some of you have asked, if I missed last week or I forgot to bring my checkbook or whatever, can I still give to that offering? Absolutely. The next few weeks, feel free to do that. Just make sure you indicate if you give to the special offering that you just write something about that in the memo line. Or if you're giving online, there's a place to indicate it for, that it's for that special offering. And, and that'll be fine. Really appreciate your generosity and and faithfulness and, and giving as a church. It always just amazes me. So proud of you. Well, today we want to start a new series about how do we hear from God. You know, last year we took a, a big group of people to the Grow Conference. The Grow Conference is a conference put on by Church of the Highlands every year down in Birmingham, Alabama. And they've been a, a real mentor and coach to us as a church, and last year, well, every year we take a group, but last year we were taking a group, and Tina and I, with a, a few of our staff, we were driving down in our vehicle separate. We went a little early, and uh, we were driving down there in my Suburban, and all of a sudden, that Suburban, we were on the interstate, it felt like we were driving a lawnmower. I mean, it was just, it's shaking, it's making crazy noises. We were on the other side of Atlanta. We didn't know what to do. We just took the next exit and limped into a dealership, and they said, it is bad. It's real bad. In fact, they said it's going to probably take a week to even fix it. And uh, the good thing was it was under warranty, so they, everything was covered. But after it was fixed, I found myself asking the question, what do I do? 
You know, do I keep this car? Is this a lemon? Is it going to start breaking down all the time? Do I sell it? And how do I do that in a way that's ethical? I mean, it it just kind of created a mess for me. And in those moments, I just wish God would send me a text, right? That would say, you know, sell the car or keep the car. I mean, that would be so helpful to hear God speak. And, you know, life is full of these moments, right? When we're trying to make a decision, what am I going to major in? What's going to be my career? Which job do I take? Who do I marry? When do we get married? How many kids do we have? Where do we live? I mean, all these questions. It's like, man, if God would speak to us, if we could just hear God, it seems like it would make life so much easier. Well, I believe you can. And over the next few weeks, hopefully what we're going to do is we're going to grow, we're going to increase our capacity to hear God speak. So if you have your Bibles, open with me to James chapter 1. James chapter 1. And I want to share with you really one of my favorite passages in Scripture. We're going to begin in verse 19. And it's just an, I think this is, this is where we have to begin. If we're going to hear God speak, this is a great starting place. And let me encourage you again. Bring your Bibles to church each week so that when we're studying the Bible together, you'll become more familiar You'll hear God speaking to you through his word. James chapter 1, we're going to begin in verse 19. I want you to follow along with me as we read. Here's what it says. My dear brothers and sisters, take note of this. Everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry. Because human anger does not produce the righteousness that God desires. Therefore, get rid of all moral filth and the evil that is so prevalent and humbly accept the word planted in you which can save you. Do not merely listen to the word and so deceive yourselves. Do what it says. Anyone who listens to the word but doesn't do what it says is like someone who looks at his face in the mirror and after looking at himself, he goes away and immediately forgets what he looks like. Verse 25, but whoever looks intently into the perfect law that gives freedom and continues in it, not forgetting what they've heard, but doing it, they will be blessed in what they do. Now, I don't know about you, but I want to be blessed in what I do. I want to obey the word of God every chance I can because, listen, because I'm convinced that is in my best interest. I'm just convinced that God is smarter than I am, that God has my interest at heart, and if he tells me to do it, that he's trying to bless me and protect me. And James says, if I'll do that, I'll be blessed. I want to do that. So he's given us three steps. Here's the first step. Is step one is we must be eager to hear God speak. We've got to be eager to hear God speak. James says it this way. Be quick to listen and slow to speak. Be quick to listen and slow to speak. I've got a pastor friend, and uh, occasionally he'll call me, something's going on in the church, and he wants to kind of bounce it off of me and get my counsel and advice. He'll call me and say that, and, and we'll meet for lunch. The problem is when we get together for lunch or coffee or whatever to talk about this issue, and he's seeking my counsel and advice. The problem is he won't stop talking. 
I mean, he's a good friend of mine, but literally, he talks the entire time that we're together. And so I've decided the truth is he's not interested in what I have to say, my perspective, or what I think about, about the issue that he's wrestling with. And the reason I know that is because he never gives me an opportunity to actually say it. He is quick to speak and slow to listen. And James says, man, that's backward. That we need to be quick to listen and slow to speak. That we need to be eager to hear God speak rather than being so eager to offer our opinion even to God. Man, we've got to be eager to hear God speak. So the question is, are you eager? I mean, this is the beginning point. If we're to hear God, we've got to be eager to hear God speak. So are you eager to hear God speak? Now, one of the ways that we can gauge that in our life is, is to ask the question, how frequently do we open the Bible, read the Scripture, asking the question, how does this passage, how does what I just read intersect with my life? How does it shape my decision making? How does it shape my relationships? How does it shape my lifestyle? How does it shape my life decisions? When we are eager to hear God speak, then we are eager to get into the Word and to reflect on what the Word of God says about those areas of our life. Because listen, the primary way, the most consistent way, the most clear way, the most black and white way that God speaks to us is through His Word. And so if we're eager to hear God speak, then man, we make time for the Word of God. And we're reflecting on how His Word shapes the way we think and the way we live life. Now this is important because, listen, the Bible is full of examples. People who decided, I'm going to do it my way and made a mess of things. Let me give you one good example. In the Bible, there's a guy named David. And we've all heard of David. And he went from being a shepherd boy to becoming the greatest king in Israel's history. A man after God's own heart. And in the early years, man, he was eager to hear God speak. And because of his eagerness to live in God's presence and to hear God speak and to answer the call of God in his life, God really promoted David. But when he became king, in the midst of all his prosperity and success and power, he stopped listening. And so the Bible says that one day he's out on the rooftop of the palace and he notices a naked woman bathing nearby. Now, if he would have just paused a moment and asked God the question, God, can I have that woman? God would have spoken very clearly. No, you idiot. She's married and you're married. Get off the roof. That's what God would have said. But the truth is, in that moment, David was not eager to hear. What he was eager for, he was, he was eager to have his way. And he took Bathsheba another man's wife and and she gets pregnant and a little while later when he discovers that again if he would have just paused and asked God the question God would it be all right if I just murdered her husband so that I could have her all to myself God would have said no you idiot 
I mean, not all, the Bible says, do not commit adultery, do not murder, do not lie, do not covet. The problem was that David in that moment is not listening. He's decided that he wants something so bad that he's not concerned what God thinks about it. And often that's our problem, is that we're not eager to hear because we're afraid we're not going to get what we want. And we want what we want real, real bad. And what James is saying, no, we've got to be eager to hear God speak. This is why Solomon says in Proverbs 3, 5, and 6, trust in the Lord with all your heart. Man, you've got to trust that God is great and God is good and he has your best interest at heart. You've got to trust the Lord and lean not on your own understanding. Be careful not to trust yourself too much and, and not to always trust what you think you see but instead in all of your ways in every decision in every relationship acknowledge the Lord man seek him be eager to hear what he has to say and he will direct your path man when we do that then we'll be blessed and we'll begin hearing God speak now James also goes on to say be slow to anger now, the reason I think he says that is because our tendency is to not really listen to what God says, to kind of do our own thing, to create a mess, and then our tendency is to get mad and to blame God for the mess we created. We, we start saying things like, God, how could you let this happen to me? I mean, just imagine David after the mess with Bathsheba, and Nathan the prophet comes and confronts him and says, you're the man, you... You took this man's wife and, and took advantage of her and killed him. I mean, this is a terrible sin. Imagine in that moment if David would have said, God, how could you let this happen to me? Now, that, that seems ridiculous, right? But, but if we're not careful, if we're not careful, we have a tendency to respond that way and to get angry with God. And the truth is, we, it's not God's fault. We didn't take time to listen to what James is saying. Is, listen, 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 listen. Be quick to listen. Stop talking so much. Listen to what God has to say. And don't get angry at the mess you created. Man, trust the Lord. See, he's urging us to do what is right, to take time to listen to God. Now, some people say, well, gosh, I, I want to do that. I just, I've been trying. I just cannot find time. Listen, the truth is, we all find time to do what we're eager to do. All of us. All of us, we're going to find, as soon as church is over today, we're going to find time to eat lunch. We're eager to do that. We're going to find time for it. And a lot of us this afternoon, we'll be eager to watch the golf tournament. We'll find time. We'll find time to watch Sunday afternoon football. We'll find time to watch the ball games. We'll, I find time about every day to read the Carolina webs. Somehow I can just find time to do it. I find time every day to read the newspaper. I find time every day to do the things that I'm eager to do, and so do you. The question is, are we eager to hear God's Word? Because when we're he eager to hear God speak, we will find time for His Word and begin reflecting on how it intersects our life. And listen, you need to realize there is a spiritual battle going on in your life. And the devil is doing everything he can to keep you out of the Word of God. 
to keep you from hearing God's voice. There's a spiritual battle. In fact, in Luke chapter 8, Jesus said there's a farmer and he's sowing seed. The seed's the word of God. And he said some of that seed falls on the path and some in shallow dirt and some in, in, among thorns and gets choked out. But, but 25% of it, some of that seed falls on good soil and produces a great ha harvest. And what Jesus is trying to teach in the parable of the sower is that, listen, there is a battle taking place. The enemy is trying to keep the word of God from being planted in your heart and bringing forth a great harvest. And you and I have got to recognize that and we've got to fight for that word. We've got to be eager to hear and to hang on and to plant the word of God in our heart. And we've got to have a passion for that. We've got to be eager for it and recognize there is a battle to keep us from having it. And listen, this is why the fast comes in so handy. And we begin our fast today. So for the next 21 days, our goal is to cut out some of the things we've been eager to pursue. To cut out entertainment. To cut out some of those things that consume our time and have a tendency to keep us out of the Word of God. And for at least an hour every day, man, to get into the Word and to pray and to connect with God and to hear God speak every single day. And, and listen, if you can do that from 6 to 7 in the morning then come and join us here at the church. We're going to be praying right here from 6 to 7 every single morning, Monday through Friday, for the next three weeks, Monday through Friday. Join us here for prayer at 6 o'clock, 6 to 7. Man, it'll, it'll start your day off great. It'll be a, a spiritual kickstart to your life. Man, you don't want to miss it, so be here. But this is the whole point of the fast. It's to silence the noise. To cut out some of the things that have a tendency to rob us and keep us from hearing God's voice. And to very intentionally, man, pursue Him and invite Him to speak to us. So participate. If you can't get here, just participate. Do it at your home, wherever you can. Spend, get an hour, an hour a day with the Lord. And I'm telling you, in 21 days, here's, here's my prayer. Is that in that 21 days, you will develop an appetite for the Word of God, an appetite to hear God's voice, an appetite for prayer, an appetite for living in God's presence, that you'll become eager. And that's what James is saying. He's saying the first step is that we've got to be eager to hear God speak. Here's the second thing he says, is that we've got to be quick to obey what we've already heard. Listen to what he says in verse 21. James says, get rid of the moral filth and the evil that is so common among you. Now, it's important. This is so important for us. We've got to see sin in our life the way God sees it. Because our tendency is to kind of have pet sin that's not so bad, right? We can rationalize it. We can justify it. We can explain it. It's not that big a deal. And what James says is, no, that stuff that, that we have a tendency to think is not that big a deal that it is moral filth, it is evil, and it is going to destroy your life if you hang on to it. And so we've got to see sin the way God sees it, and we've got to turn loose. We've got to cut that stuff out of our life for our own benefit. Man, God's trying to protect us and to bless us, and that's what James is saying. And every time we hang on to that stuff, it's because we're convinced what the devil is offering us is really better than what God offers us. And we know that's not true, right? I mean, God has his, our best interest at heart. We've got to be careful not to decide something is good 
that God says is evil. We've got to be careful not to decide things are good that God says are evil. And have the power to destroy our life. But instead, we've got to humble ourselves to trust God. To trust His Word. To receive that seed that's already been planted. Man, to hang on to it so that it will produce a great harvest in our life. Listen, if we do not obey what we've already heard, why would we expect God to continue speaking? I mean, if we've not obeyed what God has already said to us, why would we expect God to keep on trying to convince us? This past week, my family, we went on vacation and one of the things we did, we went to Williamsburg, and one of the things we did is we went to Bush Gardens. And the Bush Gardens, they have all these great rides, but they also have these games, like all these amusement parks, that you can play to try and win a, a cheap prize, right? But once you've been around for a while, you know these games are rigged. They are not easy to win. They are not losing money. They're not out there giving away stuffed animals. They're making, these are money making machines, right? And I've tried to explain that to my kids. They look at those games and they went, man, I can, I can do that. That's easy. And I'll win that big giant stuffed animal. Won't even fit in the car, right? And I've told them over and over again, don't do it. You're going to blow your money. But they were convinced. They knew better than dad. And so finally, I just quit arguing with them. It's their money. If they want to blow it on this game, if they want to just give the money away to this guy, it's fine. Let them do it. And sure enough, that's exactly what they did. Blew their money. And because at a point as a dad, it's like, I've told you, I've given you my advice. I've told you what's going to happen. But if you think you know better and you're determined to do it, then I'm just going to let you do it. Just go ahead. Sometimes, I, sometimes the only way for you to learn that your father is right is to blow it. And that's what my kids did this weekend. And now they know, man, those games are rigged. I can't believe, you know. And the same thing is true for us. Sometimes it's not until the backside of the mess that we realize, you know what? God was right about this. I should have listened. And James is saying, listen, before you get in a mess, before you get in a mess, humbly, humble yourself and receive, accept the word of God that's already been sown in your life. Man, hang on to it. Trust it. Build your life on that word. If you do, Man, you're going to be blessed. So we've got to do what God has already said. God's not going to argue with us. So let, let me give you some examples. In Exodus 20, verse 3, the first of the Ten Commandments is that we should worship the Lord our God and Him only, not to have any, anything, any idols before God. And listen, so the question is, is God first in our life? Is God first? In Matthew 6, 12, Jesus said, man, that we need to forgive. Just as he's forgiven us, we need to forgive other people. Is there anybody in our life that we've not forgiven? In verse John 4, 8, the Bible says, Beloved, let us love one another, for love is of God, and he that love is born of God. He that loveth not knoweth not God, for God is love. Listen, do we love each other? Are we doing what we can to love people, to relate to them the way Jesus relates to us? Matthew 20, 26 says that the greatest among you is the servant of all. Have we made a decision to be a servant, to give our life to serve other people in our home, in our workplace, in our neighborhood, in the church? Man, are we trying to serve other people for the sake of the kingdom? Malachi 3.10 says bring the whole tithe into the storehouse. Have we made a decision to give the first 10% of our income to the local church? 
1 Corinthians 6.18 says, Flee sexual immorality. Have we made a decision to live in sexual purity? 1 Corinthians, 2 Corinthians 6.14 says not to be unequally yoked. If we made a decision, we're not going to missionary date. If we made a decision, we're not going to enter into a business adventure with somebody who's not a believer and be unequally yoked. 1 Thessalonians 5.17 says to pray without ceasing. Man, is prayer a priority in our life? Psalm 1 verse 2 says to meditate upon the Word day and night. If we made meditating on the Word of God, spending time in God's Word a priority. James 3 says that we shouldn't use our mouth to worship God and to destroy other people. Have we made a decision to use our words to build people up instead of tearing people down? Malachi 2.16 says that God hates divorce. Have we made a decision to make our marriage a priority and really fight for a great marriage? Listen, these are just some of the things off the top of my head that I know we have all heard again and again and again. And the question is, have we, already, have we received and are we obeying, are we building our life on the word that's already been sown in our life? And listen, if we're not willing to obey the generic, the things that God has already spoken to all of us, why would we expect God to begin sp speaking specifically to us? And we've got to obey what's been sown in our life. God has taught us this. The Word of God has taught us these things all of our life. Man, we've got, to, we've got to be careful not to just overlook it and dismiss it, but to recognize, listen, if we're not obeying in those areas, it is moral filth. It's evil designed by the enemy to destroy us. And with humility, we've got to trust the Lord and build our life on His Word. Man, we've got to listen to Him speak. God has spoken. God has spoken in the American church. The problem is not that we don't know enough. The problem is that we don't obey what we know. And that's what James is saying here. We've got to lay those things aside. We've got to trust the Lord. And again, that's what the fasting is all about. The fasting really allows us to unplug and to really listen again so that God will speak to us and we can begin walking in obedience. Man, let God speak to you. Here's the third step. Step one, we've got to be eager to hear. Step two, we've got to be quick to obey. But step three is we must invite God to speak to us daily through his word. In verse 22 through 25, James begins describing the Bible as a mirror. Now this morning when you woke up, all of us did this. We woke up, we went into the bathroom, and we looked in the mirror. And there was a mess there. <laughs> And we stayed in front of that mirror until we had cleaned up the mess. You know what I mean? We didn't walk in the mirror and look at ourselves and say, well, I'm just going like this. And walk and come to church in our pajamas with our hair doing this. And our, yeah, I mean, we, we just didn't do that, right? We, we stay in front of that mirror and we clean some stuff up and clean some. I mean, we get ready and then we come to church or go out in public, right? And James is saying the Word of God is like that. And he's, so he says, first, there are some people that they come to that mirror and they see the mess and go, well, I'm just going out just like this. And they forget what they look like, but they go out there and, and it's scary, right? He says, but don't do that. He just said, don't do that. He says, if you want to be blessed, what you need to do is you need to stay in the mirror until you clean up the mess, just like you did this morning. We stay in that mirror until we've straightened ourselves up and then we go out in public. And James is saying, when you look in the Word, he says in verse 25, whoever looks intently into the perfect law, into the word, and this law gives 
freedom and continues to do it. Not forgetting, not forgetting what they heard in the word today, but doing it, obeying it, then you're going to be blessed. So he's saying, we come, just like you go to the mirror every single day, we come to the Word every single day, allowing it to show us what's messed up and to teach us how to correct those things. And it shapes who we are and how we think and how we live and all of our relationships and all of our decisions and all of our lifestyle choices are shaped by what we see in the mirror of God's Word every day single day so we begin our day and again this is what the 21 days is all about is we're saying listen let's discipline ourselves for 21 days we can do it 21 days i'm gonna get up and before i eat breakfast before i look in the mirror i'm gonna look into god's word and allow the word of god to shape who i am so at the end of 21 days i've experienced some change I've heard God speaking. My life spiritually is beginning to, to take off. And I develop an appetite for the things of God. Man, that is the purpose of the 21 days. Man, so I hope you'll join us. Get in the Word. One of my favorite verses, listen. Jeremiah 29, verse 13 says this. That if you seek me, you'll find me. When you search for me with all your heart. Man, if we'll pursue God with the same amount of passion that we pursue so many other things in our life, the same amount of determination, the Bible promises that we will find Him. And our prayer for you over the next 21 days is that you begin to hear God speak. And if we're going to do that, we've got to be eager to be here. here. We've got to be quick to obey and every day we need to come to the Word like a mirror and allow it to shape and transform who we are. Now, one of the things that the Bible teaches is how to begin a relationship with God. And here in the Bible Belt, we have a tendency to, to kind of, I guess, assume that everybody already understands that. And and I, I think a lot of people think that being religious or just joining a church is what it means to be a Christian. And let me explain real quick what the Bible says about this issue because this is certainly one of the areas that we need to be eager to hear what God says because all eternity is hanging in the balance. So here's what the Bible says about this. The Bible says that we're all born in sin. Now we are guilty before God. We've all failed to, to love God and to love people perfectly. We all fall short of his moral standard. We fall short of our own moral standard. And, and the Bible says that the penalty for sin is death. That what we deserve is to die. What we deserve is God's judgment. What we deserve is hell. But God loved us so much that he sent his son Jesus who lived a perfect life and then offered his perfect life as an atoning sacrifice to pay for our sin. Jesus died in our place. Jesus died to take the just wrath and condemnation of God upon himself so that you and I could go free. And if we would simply open our heart, invite Jesus to come in, trust him for grace and forgiveness, the Bible says that we can make a brand new, fresh start. That we can be forgiven. We'll be adopted in this family. That the Spirit of God will come to live inside of us. We can begin walking with God. And listen, if we're going to hear God speak, 
the first thing we've got to do is we've got to have a relationship with Jesus. We've got to receive God's grace and forgiveness. We've got to begin a relationship with Him. And we want to give you a chance to do that this morning. In just a moment, I'm going to lead us through a simple prayer. It's not magic. It's not a formula. It's just a way for you to invite Jesus verbally, to invite Jesus to come into your life. And if you're ready to do that, in just a moment, I want you to pray that simple prayer. Now, this isn't a trick. We're not going to call you up here to the front. We're not going to embarrass you in any way. We just want to give you an opportunity to open your heart and trust in Jesus to begin a relationship with God. And so, man, if that's you, this is your moment. So I'm going to ask everybody to bow their heads and to close their eyes with me. And if you're ready to pray this prayer, man, in just a moment, I want you to do that. Now, some of you might be saying, well, gosh, I'd really like to do that, but you don't understand, my life is a mess. And first, I've got to, I've got to straighten some things out. I, I just don't think God would accept me like I am. And that is just not true. Jesus came and died on the cross because you are like you are. And he'll take you just like you are. Now, he's not going to leave you that way. His word and his spirit and the church, man, we're going to work together to, to transform and to shape your life. That's what we've been talking about this morning. But he'll take you just like you are if you'll open your heart and trust in him. And some of you might think, well, and I think I did this when I was a kid. I, I used to go to church with my grandparents. And I went down front one Sunday for something. Is, you know, is this kind of the same thing? No, I'm not talking about another religious ritual. I'm talking about a relationship with God. And listen, let's be honest. You've got some religion in your past. But God feels like he's a million miles away. You don't have a relationship with God. But you can settle that today if you'll open your heart and trust in him. So right now, in the privacy of this moment, man, I want to encourage you to pray this simple prayer. You can repeat this prayer after me. You can pray it very quietly. God will hear you just fine. Pray this prayer. Dear Jesus, God, I realize today that I am a sinner, that I'm guilty before you. And there's nothing I can do to fix it. I, I can't clean it up. I can't erase the mistakes of my past. But you love me and sent your son Jesus for me. And Jesus died on the cross to pay for my sin. So this morning, Jesus, I'm inviting you to come into my life. I'm asking you to forgive me. Jesus, I'm asking you for your grace Teach me to walk with you. Teach me to hear your voice and to follow you for the rest of my life. In Jesus' name we pray.